are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. FM. This is Soul to Soul back on your radio. Erev Shabbos Kiddush, Parshas Devorim, Tov Shin Peibes, as we prepare for Tishabov, if it's still going to happen, it's still possible that Mashiach could come before Shabbos, but if so, we get ready and prepare our minds for the, another year of sitting on the ground and, and mourning. And of course, on Shabbos we read the terrible Aftara from the first chapter of, of Yeshaya, where he laments, Yeshaya laments on what Kleisol is doing, what they're not doing. <coughs> and among the things he says, Almetuku Oid says, why do you seek to get further beatings? Taisifu Sara, that you continue to, to offend HaKadosh Baruch every head is ailing, and every heart is, is sick. So I saw it strange that they talk about, they bring a, a, an analogy, a marshal, to a uh, teacher, certain school teacher, who uh, had a rather undisciplined student. The students didn't always listen. And of course the teacher warned them again and again and again. And it was to no avail. The student was on his own mission doing his own thing. So eventually the teacher had no choice. And he called in his assistant, and he told the assistant to take this boy aside, and I just say, uh, bridge the generation gap, give him a few of the, of, of the best. And he took the boy and he started to, to, to hit him. And the boy started to cry and started to cry and, and, and turned to the assistant and apologized to him, please, please forgive me for what what I've, what I've done. And the teacher signaled to him to, to continue to, to, to hit him. And he didn't, he was carried on and, 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 and in tears apologizing to the person that was hitting him. Until eventually they said to him, no, no, no. It doesn't help for you to apologize to the person that is hitting you. You have to apologize to the teacher. Who have you sinned against? Who have you hurt? Who have you abused? is the teacher. Therefore, your apology has to be directed to, to him. And of course, the, the lesson is that the Jewish nation has so often and, and so vociferously sinned against HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And because of their, of their sins, so HaKadosh Baruch Hu has uh, unfortunately handed us over to the, under the control of the nations of, of, of the world, and, and uh, we suffer. We suffer anti-Semitism, we suffer having to live in a world that's gone completely and totally crazy, but the point is that we should learn an object lesson and turn around and do tshuva, and, and request from HaKadosh Baruch Hu that He should forgive us for all the crimes we've done. And then, Klai Yisrael would be able to come back and, and, uh, and, and, uh, Hashem will rebuild Yerushalayim. But what do we do? We try to speak and negotiate with those who are our master. We try to make political alliances. We try to somehow make our situation in, in, in whatever country we are as tenable. And we, f- we feel that our success comes from being uh, uh, kind of, you know, okay with, with everyone else and fitting into, into society. And of course, that doesn't really work. Because until we turn around to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and, and realize that He is the one we have wronged. He is the one that we need to address and we need to, to placate. Making peace with the nations and trying to sort of fit in politically with, with them is, is useless because that doesn't Solve the, the situation. Hashem says, Nabi says, why you want to get hit more until you acknowledge 
that it is our Kaddish Baruch who is causing the suffering, and it's our own actions that are bringing about. There's no way we're going. You're going to get to the point where you, we, 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 Hashem will, will forgive us, and that's what that's what Tishbav is. Tishbav is sitting on the floor and saying, Hakadosh Baruch Hu, let's have a heart-to-heart talk. We know that we have messed up, and we have messed up seriously. And our personal situation, our communal situation, our national situation, is in disarray. Kaddish Baruch Hu, we want to come back. We want to change. We want to reconcile with you. And therefore, we're hoping that Bez Hashem, if we do so, and our Kaddish Baruch Hu will, will do what he needs to do, and bring us to Yerushalayim Rakhodesh with the coming of Mashiach. This is one one point nine Chai FM. We'll be back with so much more in a moment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on one hundred one point nine Chai FM. This is the Shabbos that leads into Tishabov and there's so much to talk about, so much we need to know and understand in terms of the Shabbos, in terms of Tishbab. But of course we have a parsha that really, really leads us into Tishbab. And Moshe Beno in the Parsha complains about Klaiso. And in fact we actually lane it in the trope of Echa Echa Solvadi. How can I carry Alone, Torchachem, your contentiousness, Umasachem, and your burdens, Verivchem, and your quarrels. Rashi, in fact, derives from the word Masachem, your burdens, that the people were actually apocorsim. They were heretics. They were skeptics who did not believe in their their leaders. Thus, they questioned the motives of everything that Moshe Rabbeinu did. If he left his home early, so then they asserted, oh, there was trouble at all, and there was no shown bias in, in his house. That's why he was leaving early. And if he left late, so then they claimed that he was busy seeking all kinds of ways to take advantage or, or hurt Kaiso. They were bogged down with suspicion. Nothing was good enough for them. They had sort of jaundiced misgivings and, and, a, and a perspective about everyone who helped them. Right? They, 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 they took everything out of proportion. All those who were there for them, they, 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 uh, they suspected them of of having bad intentions. That is a masa, a burden. Apparently, Rashi feels that an apikoiris, a heretic, is one who is weighed down with questions. All of us have questions. We all have situations in our lives that we don't understand that we can't really reconcile why things are happening. But we know that if we don't have the answers to our questions, so then we sort of refer them to HaKadosh Baruch and say, obviously, even if we don't understand, HaKadosh Baruch certainly understands, and we're, we're kind of mevatel ourselves, we negate ourselves to the plans of, of, of HaKadosh Baruch who we trust implicitly. However, an apikaris, a heretic, has no one to whom to refer his questions because he has decided that he does not believe in HaKadosh Baruch Hu due to some of his own problems and tribulations that he sees people confront. It is so much easier to contend that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is passive, a spectator who just watches and cannot do anything about it. The heretic believes that this uh, absurdity because he wants to. Otherwise, he'll have to answer for his actions. If you accept that there is HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then you have certain obligations to, to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But if you deny that there is Hashem, fine, then I can carry on my life, I can do what I want, and there's nothing nothing stopping me. Rav Noach Weinberg 
relates the following true story. One day, a young adult tourist named Jeff was brought in to meet with Rav Weinberg. In his position as Rosh Hashiva of Eshatayra and a mentor to thousands, this was a, a constant occurrence. Rav Weinberg opened the conversation by asking Jeff what he was doing. Jeff replied, I am working on my MBA at Harvard and I am an atheist. Hmm. Rosh Hashiva uh, countered, wow, a real atheist. Whoever was able to convince a real-life atheist to come visit a rabbi like me deserves a, a medal. Jeff replied, no, he deserves no medal. Why? There is a background to my being here. Let me tell you how I ended up in your in your office. It's his father's. Jeff was in Norway visiting his Norwegian fiance, who obviously was not Jewish. He decided that he needed to make one trip to Eretz Israel. If he did not go now, he would probably never go. So he took a flight to the Holy Land, and his first stop, of course, was the castle. He figured that he would see nothing more than some old stones. Yet, like everyone else who goes there, he was amazed and moved. Suddenly, he felt a heavy weight upon himself. He stood there, looked at the castle, and composed an atheist's prayer. Now, prayer and atheist are kind of uh, 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 antithesis to one to one another. To whom does an atheist pray? He believes in in nothing. So that is the content of the atheist prayer. God, I do not believe in you. As far as I know, you do not exist. However, I do feel something. At least he had the courage to confess. Others cannot even bring themselves to concede the truth. So, if I am making a mistake, I want you to know that I have no quarrel against you. It's just that I do not know that you exist. If by chance you do exist, and I am making a mistake, can you introduce yourself to me? As Jeff finished his prayer, an Asia Torah student who happened to be at the Kaiser tapped him on the shoulder and asked if he was interested in learning some Torah. The question slammed Jeff like a ton of bricks. Here, he had just finished asking God for an introduction and immediately someone materialized to invite him to learn at Aisha Torah. Six weeks later, Jeff went home after having engaged in serious learning. He left with a resolution to continue his journey, to delve deeper into what he had herefore to vehemently denied. One year passed, and Jeff returned to Eretz Israel and shared the rest of the story with Rav Weinberg. During the previous summer, he, he had been walking, sightseeing through the cobblestone streets of Meisharim. In one of the alleyways, he chanced upon a young observant woman whose charm and midas, tevis, right, and fine character were obvious. He issued a silent prayer to Hashem to help him meet someone like this woman with whom he could spend the rest of his life. One Shabbos morning during the following year, Jeff entered a Boston shul to Daven. As he was walking through the door, he met the same young woman. He walked over to her and asked, 
Did I not meet you this past summer in Meishorim? She replied, yes, you are right. I did meet you. They're now married and living in New Jersey. Rav Weinberg concludes, when you are sincere with Hashem, he answers your tefillahs. Koroi v'ashem l'chol koirov. L'chol asher yikra'uhu be'emes. Hashem is close to all those who call out to him, to all those who call upon him in, in truth. As we approach Tishbov, let us daven for the things that are so important for our own personal well-being, for our own personal success, but much more importantly, for our Kaddish Baruch Hu, to bring us back to Yushalayim, to bring the Shechina, to bring the Holy Presence back to Yushalayim with the rebuilding of the Beis HaMikdash A.S. AP. This is 101.9 Chai FM. The program is Soul to Soul. We'll be back in a moment with much, much more beautiful Taira. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM. This is Soul to Soul. Back on the radio air of Shabbos Kedish. Pashas Devorim. As we prepare for a beautiful, beautiful Shabbos which leads us into Tishabov, the day on which we need to sit down and take a real, real, real hard look at where we are and where we want where we want to be. You know that before HaKadosh Baruch Hu destroyed the Beis HaMikdash, so obviously there was much, much time and energy put into warning the Jewish nation and trying to exhort them to change their ways, to, to repent from what they were doing and to come back to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. One of the primary prophets that HaKadosh Baruch Hu used for that end was Yirmiyoh Hanavi. Yirmiyoh HaKadosh Baruch Hu actually <coughs> set aside for his mission, even from the very, very beginning of his conception, that he was going to prophesy about the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. In fact, as we had in the Haftarah two weeks ago, where it says, Beterem et even before I created you in the womb, Yidatiha, I knew you. Uveterem before you came out of the womb, Hiktashtiha, I set you aside, I set you aside as a prophet. For, for the nations. <clears throat> In other words, based on this pasuk, actually Chazal learned that Yirmiyo was set aside for his purpose all the way from the very beginning of creation, from the six days of, of creation, says in the Medrash. Oma, Yirmiyo, said, Riba and Kalam, master of the universe, Ma avoinus hayubiyadi, what sins did I do? Shanavim, Shaundulif, Lafarnai, all the other prophets that came before me, Vasidim, Lama, and Achrai, and those that came after me, Layach Rafta, Beiskayadem, no other prophet had the mission of telling everyone about the destruction of, of the Beis HaMikdash. Elayadi, why am I the so-called lucky one that I have to be the one, the prophet of doom, that tells them all about the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash? So Hashem said to me, Even before I created the world, you were set aside for this, for this, uh, for this uh, mission. And uh, in the Medrash, in, in the Psitta, it actually, uh, uh, Chazal list that Yirmiyo was amongst the four prophets who were called in Tanakh Tzurim. In other words, personalities that HaKadosh created them specially for a specific uh, uh, job, for a specific purpose. By the way, the other three were Adam Harishan, Yaakov, and, and Yeshai Hanavi. Now the Gemara in Seches Prochus on Daf Nun Zayin brings that Yirmiyo had a vision in a dream and, and what he saw was an indication of suffering. It says, Shleishu Nevi'im Heim. There are three Nevi'im and if a person sees, says, if a person in a dream 
sees the book of Malachim, so then he should hope for great things. If he sees Yecheskel, he should hope for great wisdom. If he sees Yeshaya, he should hope for comfort. If he sees Yirmiya, he should worry that he might be in for some kind of, kind of suffering. You know, the whole purpose of Yirmiya came into, into reality already when he was a child. The Medrash in Eoiv says, tells about that Yirmiya was born on Tishabov, right? The date on which, of course, in the future was going to be the destruction of the Beis Medrash, of the Beis Hamikdash. The, the Medrash in Bereshit Shabbat explains that already during the pregnancy of, of Yirmiyo was already connected to the, to the terrible, terrible sins that were prevalent amongst Klai In fact, he says, Yirmiyo himself says that I cursed the day on which my mother gave birth to me. This was the day that I was, I was conceived. So, there seems to have been some iniquity even in the uh, creation of Yirmiya. And that was, Medrash tells us that his father, Chilkiah, was a big tzaddik, actually was uh, intimate with his mother during the day, which is not so ideal in, in, in the, in the, uh, the Swaram. But the reason was because Izebel, the terrible, terrible queen of Israel, was busy killing all the Nevi'im, and therefore he had to be intimate once with his wife, and then he had to he had to run away. Couldn't couldn't even stay. He couldn't even stay around. So we see that even the the, the conception and the birth of of, of Yirmiyo was in a very very painful situation of the Nevi'im being chased and and persecuted and killed by by the by the uh, the king, right? And and it probably wasn't Izevel herself, because she lived a long time before Yirmiyo, but even the kings that came after, after her carried on in her, in her way and, and, and persecuted and chased the Nevi'im. And we need to understand, why was Yirmiyo chosen to be the Navi, the, this, 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 uh, this prophet, this prophet of, of doom, of all the suffering of Kaisel, of, of the Khurban. So Rashi says, in Malachim Perik Yud, he brings that from the Ariyah Kaddish, who says that Shloim HaMelech, that uh, uh, had relations with the, with the queen of, of Sheba, and from that had the child called Nebuchadnezzar. And not doesn't mean that Nebuchadnezzar was actually the child of, of Shleimah HaMelech, because it, uh, it was too much time, but it was a definitely a descendant. And that's what's brought in the, in the Sefer Adairus, that they had this uh, daughter, and from the daughter came Nebuchadnezzar. Now, this is actually hinted to in, in, in Divrei HaYomim, in uh, in Dibriam uh, Bey's Periktes, where it says, "Va'amelach Shloimei Nosan lemalchas Shva," that Shloma gave this queen Sheba as kol chetza asher shola everything she wanted milvad asher idvia el amelach or whatever she brought to the king. Va'tavoyich va'telech la'atza she turned around went home. Ve'hi va'avodeh she and her servants went went uh, went home. And if you take the last letters of the words Hefza Asher She'ela, what that what she desires, hey, Reish, hey, which means Hora, she conceived a a a, a child, Tushlama. And the intention is that besides the the uh, intimacy that she had with with the king, that she actually gave her own body over to the king. And through that came out of this connection of, of, of Shloima and, the, and this queen, the, the, the person who eventually would actually destroy the base of Mikdash that Shloima himself, himself built, built. The Chidah in his Sefer Midbar Kedemus brings uh, a Medrash Echa, which is, is found in the original uh, transcript 
of the Medrash, and it says, Amr HaKadosh Baruch Hashem says to Yirmiya, Lech Anosais, go to Anosais, Shekol Zaman Sheyirmiya Ba'ir, that as long as Yirmiya was in that city, Lohoyu Oivim Nechnosim Masecha, enemies would not be able to go in there. Ulekach Sholchei HaKadosh Baruch Anosais, that's why Hashem sent him to that city. Ba'olach, and he went. Umiyad Sheyosa, as soon as he left, all the enemies came in, and they set fire to the entire city, and they burnt the base of Mikdash. When Yom came back to Yom, he was already halfway there. He went, climbed up some mountain, near to Yerushalayim. I was only three mil away. And he saw the smoke. So, he tore his clothing and he put ashes on his head and he hurried to come. And he was crying and walking and crying and crying out to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Because it had already been many, many days that Yumiya was, had been a, a youngster. And Nebuchadnezzar and, and, uh, and Yumiya, many years ago, Nebuchadnezzar and Yumiya had uh, been walking together. And that day, Nebuchadnezzar was not even the king. He was, he was, uh, he was, he was actually, uh, a, a quite a poor person, quite a despised person. And he used to say, oh, if only I would be able to be the king of the whole, of the whole world. And I would come to Yerushalayim and I would burn the base of Mikdash. And I'll, and I'll kill everyone that's, that's left. And whoever's left, I'll take him into, into captivity. So Yemiyo saw Baruch HaKodesh. That this is going to happen, that, that, that Nebuchadnezzar's fortunes would change and he would become the king of the world. And whatever he had asked for was going to happen. So Yumiyo said to, said to Nebuchadnezzar, at least do me one favor, spare Yerushalayim. So Nebuchadnezzar said, no, I'm not, I'm not prepared to do that. He said to him, please, at least spare the base of Mikdash. He said, no, I'm not prepared to do that. Third time, he tried and said, at least give me the children. Don't kill them. He says, no, I'm not prepared to compromise on that. So he says to him, if so, what are you prepared to give me? To concede? So he said to him, whatever you're able to save and to take out of the city, right, in, in half a day from noon until night, that's, that's yours. And therefore, now Yemiyo hurried to come to Yushalayim, but he only arrived when it was already nightfall. And he couldn't save even one person. And that's why it says, Oy lanu kifana hayom, woe to us, the day is over. Right? That's, that the, 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 the sun has, has set. That's the quote from the Chidah in the name of the, of the Medrash. And the Chidah explains, what's the reason that Nebuchadnezzar so much honored Yumiya Anavi? Because Nebuchadnezzar, we know, was the child of, of Shlema HaMelech. And Yumiya Anavi, we know, was a Gilgal of Shlema HaMelech. And therefore, Nebuchadnezzar, even though he didn't know it himself consciously, but as the Gemara says, Mazal Yoda, his his, uh, his mazel saw that. And therefore, he had tremendous covet for Yirmiyo Hanavi, who was actually his, his father and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, Yirmiyo's sort of, uh, uh, forebearer. And the Benishai also brings in, in Ben Ben Yoda, the Gemara in, in Sanhedrin, and he says, uh, it, in the future, Yirmiyo, the son of Achilkiyo, from the town of Amosles, in the future is going to prophesize against Yerushalayim. And all the Mephoshim asked, but he wasn't the only one. Yecheskel also 
uh, uh, prophesies about the destruction of Yushlaim and, and the base of Mikdash, and about the fact that the king of Bavel would come and, and destroy it. So why is the Dafka specifically talking about Yirmiyahu? And he answers that the Nevoah of Yirmiyahu uh, uh, accomplished tremendous, tremendously in the hearts of the Jewish nation. Because we know that Yirmiyahu was a Gilgal of Shleimah Melech who built the Beis HaMikdash and he himself is now prophesizing about the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. And that's what Klai Yisrael said. Whoa, there's no hope then that Klai Yisrael will do tshuva and, and, and the Chorban should be, should be uh, uh, avoided. Since... The one who built the base Mikdash himself. He is the one that is prophesizing about its destruction. So we can learn from there that that's what's actually gone down. It's, it's inevitable that it's going to be destroyed. And this perhaps is alluded to when the Pasuk says, Yirmiyo ben Chilkiyo. It says, because Shleima called Nasan Ha'anavi, right? And uh, he called him, uh, sorry, Shlomo Melch was called by Nasan Ha'anavi, Yedid, Yedidya. And he also, Chilkiya, right? Who's referring to Shlomo Melch, because we said, he's Chilek Ka, he's a portion of HaKadosh Baruch And we know that the second Gilgal is like a son, to the to the first one. So therefore, who is Yirmiyah ben Chelekka? He is the son of Gedidya, the the love the loved one of Akharish Baruchu Chelekka, part of Akharish Baruchu, alluding to the fact that Yirmiyah was the Gilgal of of Shlaima of Shlaima Melech. Based on this, we can now understand very well why was specifically Yirmiyahu Hanavi who was chosen to be the Navi about the Churban because since he was this continuation this Gilgal of Shleimah Melech who built the Beis HaMikdash and now that Klai had done so many terrible Averis so he will uh, will see how all that Shlomo Melech did, all the many things he did, will now will now be destroyed. And now we can understand also well, the fact that it says that Kodesh Baruch says to Moshe Rabbeinu, says, Novi Akim Lohem Nikerev Achayem Kamoicha. Moshe Rabbeinu was worried. Who's going to take over? He says, don't worry. I'm going to establish another Novi from amongst your brethren like you. And Chazal taught us that the word Kamoicha, this is actually alluding to the Novi Yimyo. In fact, if you look in the Yalkut Shemani in Echa, in, in, in the, in the Psicha, and therefore it says, uh, the Maria Bavav, uh, 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 says that the Madrega of Yirmiya in Nevoa was very, very high level. And it was closer to the Madrega of Moshe than any other of the, of the Nevi'im. And to understand this, so we need to look at what it says in the in the uh, Sifre uh, of, of, of Kabbalah, where it explains why was it that Shleimah Melech Dafka married the daughter of, of Paro. And he says that Shleimah Melech was a, a, a little spark of the Neshama of Moshe Benu. And so too, Bisya, Basya, the daughter of, of Paro. So, whatever, whatever negative qualities she had, because she came from, from Paro, so they came through in the, uh, into this daughter of Paro that Shlomo took as a wife. And Shlomo Melech wanted to, to fix up to Misakin whatever evil there was in Bisya, and on the contrary, Right? The, 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 instead of him fixing her up and, and perfecting her and, and ridding of any negative traits that would have come from her father's family, from Paro's family, it worked all the way around. And unfortunately, she influenced, uh, uh him, as, as Chazal, as Chazal say. 
right? That that she was the Baspara, as, as it says, uh, uh, and therefore, uh, afterwards, that like, he became to a Gilgal to Yirmiya, and because he didn't, he didn't succeed in eradicating all the evil. Therefore, he had to go through this Gilgal of of uh, Yirmiya, who through whom the base makers would be destroyed. Therefore, the conclusion is that Shleima Melech is, uh, which is Yirmiya. He also already had this little spark of Moshe Rabbeinu. And therefore that's why he was at such a high level of, 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 of uh, Nevoah, because in fact he, he uh, continued a little bit the work of, of, of Moshe Rabbeinu. This is why also Hashem commanded Moshe to put aside a, a jar of man. As, as, as be preserved for all generations. <clears throat> and when Yumio was giving Musa to the Jewish nation, why aren't you learning Torah? And they said, we have to, uh, we have to make Panasa. So he produced that money, he said, what you think HaKadosh Baruch Hu can't provide you with, with Panasa as he did for the, for the Jews in the generation of the, of, of the desert. So Yumio has that ability to continue being a little bit like Moshe Rabbeinu. And in fact, we're told that every generation has in it a little bit of the Nisham of Moshe Rabbeinu. And that's why people who sit and, and learn Torah and, and grow in Torah can still be zekah to the greatest, greatest things because that ability still, still, still exists. But Yirmiya did, unfortunately, foretell the, the Chorba because of our shortcomings. And all we can hope is that if we look back at his forebearers, at Shleim HaMelech, at Moshe Rabbeinu, at the great people that they were, and we strive in our own behavior, and our own actions, to replicate the activities of these of these great people, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will recount and, and, and take us out of this this Golos and bring us back to Yerushalayim in HaKadosh and the Binyan Beis HaMikdash B'mheira B'yomeno. This is 101.9 Chai FM. Please stay with us. We're going to do a little bit on the halachas of Tishbab on Shabbos. Stay with us. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM. This is Soul to Soul back on your radio. Erev Shabbos Kodesh Pashas Devorim. Tishbab, actually, tonight will be the actual day of Tishbab. We don't obviously celebrate Tishbab on Shabbos. We're not allowed to fast on Shabbos, and therefore we push it off to Sunday. But technically speaking, it is actually Tishbab uh, uh, tonight. So, before we do anything else, I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the laws that apply to Tishbab being on Shabbos and then fasting on Sunday, as we always do at this time, the important times you need to know for this coming Shabbos. So, first of all, the uh, earliest time for lighting Shabbos candles this week is 4.32. 4.32 is the earliest time to to do it. It's really getting a little bit later, a little bit easier to try to make that earliest Earliest time, it's almost like two hours from, from now. There's plenty of time to, to get it all, all together, get everything heated up, get everything you need ready for all the Shabbos meals for this week, because obviously you want to have some nice Shabbos meals, because we're going to be fasting on Mother's Shabbos and, and Sunday. And, uh, the latest time for benching lift this week is at 25 minutes past 5, 5.25 is the latest. Please make sure everything is ready. The candles are lit. The house is ready. You're all ready for Shabbos by 5.20, 5.25. Yeah, is at 5.43, right? Uh, uh, that's the very, the, as we say, always say, injury time. If you're really, really desperate, then you can rely on, on that. But please, please, please don't don't really uh, uh, get to that point unless it's an absolute kind of uh, emergency. Therefore, if you want to be able to daven Mayrev and not have to repeat the Krishma again, you want to daven Mayrev at night, 6.01 is enough time. 6.01 already is considered night, and you can daven Mayrev and then come home and sit down with the family to a, a Shabbos free pass. Yes, it's Shabbos, even though it is Erev, Erev uh, uh, Tishabav, but uh, uh, 
you know, we, we still celebrate Shabbos as it should be, uh, celebrated. Tomorrow, we lay in Pashas Devarim. We're starting the final book of, of the, of Devarim. The Aftar, of course, is the Shabbos, is the Aftar that gives this Shabbos its name. The first chapter of Yeshaya Chazoi Nishayo Ben Amoitz, in which he decries some of the behaviors of, of the Jewish nation that leads to the destruction of the base of Mikdash, but at the same time gives us hope and, and gives us courage to, to carry on that, that things will get better and Zion Zion will be redeemed in justice and, and, and with, and with, uh, with, with charity. And because it is, uh, uh, so we will probably most shuls daven mincha earlier so that, uh, most shuls are not going to have shalashudas at, uh, at home, uh, sorry, in shul you're going to have shalshul, you have last meal uh, at home, and therefore most shuls will either daven mincha right after the morning program is over, let's say about 20 to 1, you could already daven mincha, or they'll come back sometime during the afternoon, and still leave enough time to go home and uh, and eat the, 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 final, the final meal. Just to talk about some of the laws that apply until then, one is allowed to have a normal a hot bath on uh, on Erev Shabbos, but as briefly as uh, as possible. If one goes to the mikvah every Friday, you may you may do so. You can uh, cut nails; you couldn't cut them the entire week, um, right? Uh, you can if you're cooking and you need to taste. But I'd like to tell you this, and you need to taste the soup, see if it has enough salt. So you're allowed to. You're allowed to do it, but just then spit it, spit it out. Uh, you can buy the usual. If you buy flowers or chocolate or cake for Shabbos, you may, you may do so. And as we said, Shabbos begins at 525. Now on Shabbos itself, so the Shabbos meals are eat, eaten as normal, right? Including meat, wine, singing Zemiris. You can invite guests. Right for social reasons, except for uh, a sudashli shit, at which time the the uh, atmosphere should be a little bit more uh, somber. In the benching of all three Shabbos meals, one should actually think about it. when we say the words "Ubinei Yerushalayim Hashem," please build Jerusalem. One should stop for a second and focus and concentrate on what on what we're what we're saying. Unless a woman is going to the mikvah, intimacy is forbidden. Uh, uh, tonight, um, we're not going to say Pirkeovis at uh, at Mincha. However, one is allowed to learn Torah all day tomorrow until sunset, until the actual beginning of the uh, of the uh, of the fast. We don't go for walks this this uh, this Shabbos. Uh, we shouldn't actually say that we're eating on Shabbos so that we're going to be able to have a easier fast on uh, afterwards because that is actually then preparing for the for the fast. Now, the fast itself actually begins at 5.41, just before sunset, right before the end of Shabbos. The, the meal eaten prior to that Right, doesn't have any of the normal restrictions associated with uh, normal last meal that we have before Tishbab. There's no egg. There's no ashes. You can have meat. You can have wine at that uh, at that meal. And um, no part of that meal is eaten sitting low. Now, when we say you have to stop eating by five forty one, you can still be at the table. You can still carry on speaking. Uh, words of, of Torah, words of, words of, words of Chizuk, until, right, there's no, there's no restrictions at all for this, for this, uh, a meal, and you can bench with a, a mezuman, if you, let's say, ate your shalshus early, <coughs> and you still want to have a snack and eat or drink before 541, you may certainly do that, uh, uh, until until 5.41. Now, from 5.41, you may not eat, right? You still have to bench, and obviously, and say, would say in benching, 
you also uh, don't wash your hands. However, you don't remove your shoes or sit low until Shabbos is actually over, which is at 6.16 uh, tomorrow night is the end of uh, of Shabbos. And obviously you can't prepare anything on Shabbos for for uh, for Tishbav. As soon as Shabbos is over, so then we say the words Baruch Hamav Gilbein Kodesh Lechol. At that point, we have to remove our leather shoes, preferably somehow we can manage to do without touching so we don't have to wash our hands. So then we can only sit low uh, we change out of our Shabbos clothes into normal nine-day clothes. In other words, clothes that are not fresh, clothes that have already been uh, been been worn. Right now, the only part of Havdalah that is said on on t- tomorrow night on Matzah Shabbos is the bracha of Bayrei Ma'iriya Eish said over a Havdalah Havdalah candle. And, and you should do this as soon as you get, as soon as you get changed. Even before you go to shul, you can, you can make this, you can make this, uh, this, this bracha. Right? Besamim may not be smelt at all, uh, uh, tomorrow, tomorrow night. Right? You can't wish anyone a shavuatov, a good vach. As we know, all forms of greeting are forbidden during the entire, uh, uh Tishabav. Right? You can fold your Shabbos talis after Shabbos is is over. Uh, right. The only uh, uh, resemblance of the normal Mayrev <coughs> Amatzah Shabbos is, of course, we say Atokhan Atanu in the Shemona Esrei. Right? Um, now, since there is a, a doubt as to whether or not we should say, we're not, we're not going to be wearing a talis on Sunday morning, and therefore there's a question whether or not you should make a bracha when you put on your tzitzis. So therefore it's actually preferred that one sleep with one's tzitzis on on Tzai Shabbos. If you didn't, you still don't say a bracha when you put them on in the uh, in, in the morning. Right? The halacha does not mention anything about how many cushions, how many pillows you must sleep with, one rather than two. What is actually mentioned is using one mattress rather than two, which of course most people, unless you're a uh, in some kind of boot camp, most people sleep on one mattress and you can continue to do that on, on, uh, on Tishba. We'll be back in a moment, with some final halachas. This is 11.9, Chai FM, and this is the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, we're back on your radio, Erev Shabbos, Kodesh Pashas Devorim, on Soul to Soul. Thank you so much for joining us, and Hopefully being inspired, hopefully you're learning something. We are talking about the laws of Tishabov on, on Shabbos. What about if you're not going to be able to fast and you have to eat on, on, uh, on Tishabov? So first of all, if it's children, children who eat don't make Havdalah beforehand. However, adults who have to break their fasts, so you can drink plain water without Making havdalah, right? If you uh, 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 are going to drink anything else or eat, then you must make havdalah, which consists of only bara priyagofen and the bracha of hamavdil. You make it over grape juice just before drinking anything but water or or eating. A child under bar or bas mitzvah as young as possible, but certainly over five, should drink the the grape juice. If there's no child, then the Avdallah should be said over coffee or tea, which is then drunk by the non-foster, even if that happens to be a a woman. A man may say the bracha of Avdallah <coughs> on behalf of a woman, 
But the non-faster must then drink the the whatever what you're using to make Havdal on the let's say the coffee or tea. Anyone else present should be Yoitse with that Havdalah, but a man cannot be Yoitse from a woman. And if you've heard Havdalah being made on tonight, I'm at Shabbos, you don't have to repeat it again on, on Sunday night. On Sunday, so Chatzais, midday, is 12.14 p.m. From that time on, you can sit on a normal chair and you can do kind of essential housework and preparation of food for tonight, right? If you need to wash dishes for Shabbos, you can do that. All other restrictions remain in place. Restriction on learning includes saying Tehillim and saying Shema and Kaddishli uh, when you're wearing your 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 tefillin. Right? The fast ends at 6.08 p.m. All restrictions of Tishabav, including greeting, apply until then, even though Mayrav ends earlier. Now, before eating or drinking anything when the fast is over, besides water, you must make or hear Havdalah unless you heard it or made it during during a, a Tishbab. Havdalah, again, is only by Priyagafen and the Brach of Hamavgil. Havdalah can be said over wine or grape juice, whatever you normally use, which is then drunk only by the person saying Havdalah and not a child. Now, <coughs> since tonight Shabbos is actually the ninth of Av, and the day we fast is actually already the tenth, therefore, all the restrictions uh, for the nine days end as soon as the fast is over. However, one may not have meat or wine until Monday morning. Because right? it's inappropriate to have these right after being so kind of uh, steeped in mourning all, all day. However, if you have a Sudas Mitzvah, that is allowed. Men have to repeat the Shema after 6.13 p.m., Right, preferably before supper, and Kiddush Levana should be said after breaking the fast, uh, with one's shoes on, one often should wash one's mouth before. That's just a brief rundown of some of the laws. We're just going to take the moment to wish all of you a, a very, very beautiful Shabbos and a very, very meaningful Tishbab. It's such a day of such inspiration. There's so much, so many opportunities to be inspired. Do so. Have an easy tightness and a beautiful one. And Be'ez Hashem, we look forward to spending time together next Erev Shabbos. To all of our radio family, a beautiful, good bench, good Shabbos.